All right. Welcome to another episode of Stock Talking. We brought him back by popular demand. We said we had to do a part two. The only, well, I guess one of two uh, crypto, I don't even know what we call you, Web Web 3 crypto expert analyst, uh, you know, heavily involved, has the advertising angle, has all the angles. Nick Widmer, welcome back to the show. Thanks, man. I, I would definitely not uh, qualify myself as an expert, but I appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate you. I guess relative. You could say, I, I guess, yeah. relatively. Um, I probably know a little bit more than most people just because of how uh, obsessed and fascinated I am by what's happening. Yeah, maybe um, instead as- of expert, like most balanced take of anyone I talk to, because <laughs> yeah, I, sure. I think we've talked we've talked about this a lot. It's like the hard thing for all crypto and Web3 mm-hmm. and, and ecosystem related stuff. It's just like, you know, there's a, I'm a software engineer by day. So it's like, there's a developer perspective. There's a investor yep. perspective. There's just like a person on the street who kind of likes the culture of it, who tries to get like NFT and like NFTs and artwork. They like their perspective. So there's a lot of yeah. like angles you can hit this for and the advertising perspective, of course, which you know a ton about, <laughs> but you are, you have the most like diverse, uh, con the biggest like confluence, diversity, whatever you want to call it of takes. So I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks. It's, it's funny what happens when you start, as you know, like when you start writing about, any given topic, like you really have to uh, take it apart and put it back together again. So I think in the process of writing about this stuff, um, the way I have, like I've, uh, I have a good grip on it, or at least I have a thumb on the pulse is probably a better way to put it. Um, But it's so funny, man. I think like one thing I was thinking about uh, when I was running earlier and thinking about what we're going to chat about was uh, just how like bifurcated the crypto debate is. Like, I, I feel like there's so many, straw men arguments like within the like we'll call it, i guess like the sector or emerging industry where like someone like might be like oh nfts are stupid so like crypto is stupid or like um bitcoin stupid so it's like this is like a lot i think harder to find than just like one vertical within like a blockchain feature and i think people um need to start understanding that like you, you talk like l1 blockchains l2s bridges you know then you have nfts and within nfts you have like you know collectibles art music photography domain like so it's just it's it's hard to like i i guess like as i'm crafting my own thinking around this stuff um it's just incredibly nuanced and anyone that takes like a polarizing take on it um they're just not getting it all is is what i've been finding lately yeah I, I, I this is a strange meta question but like when you start talking to people and they have those really polarized takes like do you have any good strategies for being like let's take a couple step backs and like define what we're talking about i mean h- how do you kind of cut through the kind of just polarization of this topic to have a real conversation with someone yeah, I you know, um I like I'm a big Packy McCormick fan. Like I think he's just his writing has been a big influence on me and he describes himself as a uh maximalist minimalist. So like he's a maxi on not being a maxi in anything. And I think like there's some tribal uh you know, tribalism I think is a weird concept like if you look at it from like a abstract view where like the tighter you get. All right. So it's like, okay, New York, like Yankees and Mets, that's a tribal thing. Like Long Island, like Suffolk versus Nassau. Like that's like the more you zoom in, the more uh, tribal uh, people just are. I think it's human nature. And that same, um, that same idea and construct is happening within crypto. So you have like Bitcoin maxis, Ethereum maxis, um, and that's kind of funny to watch because like maybe people on the outside don't realize that like there's a lot of like inner turmoil within or not turmoil, just uh, competing um, idealized, like sensational thinking around one vertical. Right. And uh, I just think this debate, because it's an emerging technology and it's so new, just requires like a heavy amount of nuance. And even my thinking, in my opinion, has like definitely veered from like, this is going to be the greatest thing ever. And absolutely do like, well, let's like, I'm still a proponent of it, but I think it'd be like a, um, a like credible proponent of it. You need to like poke holes in it. Right. It's like, goes back to, um, you know, Nassim Taleb, who ironically is like the biggest uh, anti- crypto guy out there which is 
somewhat scary because I have a tremendous amount of respect for him and the way he thinks. Um, you know, he describes like if he, he's his whole thing is like just for any topic is like if you're not willing to poke holes in the argument, um, you can't really trust someone. So I always like to try to be like, all right, well, what's 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 not right and what's not working and what needs like like the idea that they're like people are paying $400 gas fees. You mint a picture of a, uh, you know, blue donkey JPEG, like that's not sustainable. So it's like, we got to figure that out. Um, so that's, that's kind of been my take. And, and I think it's hard to engage with anyone that's like completely polarized one way or the other, because I just don't think the world, uh, works like that. And certainly technology right. doesn't. I mean, now that you mentioned to Lev and kind of some of the people who, frame it in the way that oh there's this asset that has no inherent value um and yet people are paying huge fees just to transact i th- i feel that that's like a kind of investor maxi they kind of use some of the terminology you used where people just see it from the investment angle um and i i feel like there's almost this built-in uh instinct to view it as like uh oh someone's trying to pull like a fast one on me you know, yeah. it's like, why would I transact in this currency uh, that like doesn't have the same kind of regulatory guards or kind of other guarantees you would get from a, a traditional currency? And, and as an aside, but an important aside, like I'm not like a currency trader. You know, you know, I have a little background in finance, but it's like I never worked on a currency trading desk. Like, I can tell you anything about like the euro, USD swap, and like what the right uh, exchange rate to pay is for that. Same same deal with like a Bitcoin, Ethereum. It's like, I don't know what a dollar is worth relative to one of them. Sure. But it's like, we've had conversations where you don't even, that's just one small piece of all right. the stuff that's going on here. I mean, I thought it was pretty fascinating a couple of weeks ago to kind of look at some of the online tutorials for how to build uh, Web3 apps and how to, how yeah. to transact. Um, kind of, I guess what you, I would say, how to transact over different networks, whether that's the Ethereum network or Polkadot mm-hmm. or some other there's like this totally different way of thinking about it, different way of um, kind of making API calls. I don't even know if you would call them API calls. Um, I suppose like interacting with the blockchain. Um, But all that kind of gets lost in the discussion when people are just like, is this thing going up or is this thing going down? Maybe that's a good kind of starting point because you did have this topic of, you know, NFTs, fluff versus value, like Ponzi versus legitimate investment. Um, I think like a lot of people before they even will look at uh, this entire ecosystem or are trying to make determinations of value and just trying to get past, like, is this whole thing a Ponzi scheme? Um, so I guess like maybe, maybe let's start by talking about like, do you think this kind of Ponzi scheme uh, reputation is deserved in, in NFT land? And like, if so, why, if not, like, why not? Yeah. Um, it's a great question. And I think what's, what's really interesting is, I think the why you're having these debates and why it's 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 uh causing such like a polarized reaction people are getting freaked out in different ways is because you take like it's it's merging like left brain and right brain thinkers and people and like one side doesn't know what to do with the other side so like for instance you know even you and me like I'm not a developer like I don't know how to code um so I can't speak as well to like um, the technological bridges or, or insufficiencies um, or efficiencies as well. But I, I do have like, you know, like a, like I have a liberal arts background. So I, I'm interested. I've always been fascinated by art history and like even like abstract art and philosophy. And I think what's what's so and, and branding. So like my background which we've talked about before and we talked in the first podcast was uh, has been in, in brand strategy and this idea of value and people are like, where's the inherent value in this? Um, I think what I would say to that is brand strategy, like brand, right. Is a immaterial um, driver of value and it's all based on value perception. And if you ask most, you know, CEOs, like they're, they put brand up there with the most important thing um, for their company. Like the reason why um, (laughs) you buy Coke and not RC soda is because it's Coke. Like that's why. And can you like, can you explain that? Like, it's like the same reason why I always, I always uh, go back to like my previous role in, in working at ad agencies and working for progressive insurance um, and, and working on their ad campaigns. Like the reason why you're constantly being um, 
just like pile driven with progressive ads and Geico ads and all state ads and state farm ads is because it's really all the same product. It's the same, like give or take maybe like a 5% price margin in one direction. Um, it's all the same shit. Same thing with Bud Light, Coors Light, Miller Light, which is why they need so much advertising because they're trying to like get you to think about them. Um, so what's really interesting is like these NFT projects, they're like flipping the model of brand building where they're starting with the brand first. And then the innovation and product um, is kind of, you know, it's hard to say product because every so many NFT projects are different. Um, the better way to phrase it might be like community led brand where you have, you have all of a sudden you have 10,000 people, um, maybe less than that because some people will own two or three or four or five of these things. Um, are advocates of this brand around like whether it's an art idea or like a concept. Um, so where some people might be like, that's a Ponzi scheme. I think other people like me um, might be like, well, hold on. Like this, this could, this, this is actually uh, all part of like a new way to drive value um, and potentially like an art, a new art form in itself. Um and I think that's uh, that's really cool. I, I do your do answer your question. I know I'm rambling here a little bit. Is uh, I do think like 90% of these projects that are coming out every day are like Ponzi Ponzi schemes, mm -hmm. and they're getting people to buy in. And the idea that these projects, a derivative of a project from three months ago, is somehow going to be like this 30 year brand community that's going to like continue to give value to their shareholders. Uh, I think is absurd and ridiculous, but I think two, three, four, five percent of these things are going to figure out ways um, by the nature of just having um, brand advocates, and they're going to generate, you know, revenue from from resales and secondary sales. They're going to innovate because of that and continue with the momentum. So that, to me, is really exciting, um, and that's what's also really fun and just fascinating about like figuring out well, what, what, how do you weed the fluff from the, um, uh, the real good stuff that has potential for like longevity. And I think that gets into like, you look at the teams, you look at the, the roadmaps, like what are they planning to do with these now? Like, um, decentralized, uh, you know, fractals of intellectual property that their, uh, community owns. So in a way it's, it's art, it's gamified finance and it's, Ponzi uh, strategies are all kind of woven in do this. Um, but that's not to say it's all one of them. Yeah. I, I, we probably should have started by defining, like, I suppose, what a, a Ponzi scheme is. I have the Wikipedia page pulled yeah, up. So, a form of fraud that pays profits to earlier investors with funds from more recent investors. So, probably people will mostly think of like Madoff and kind of like some of the uh, the feeder funds there, where it was like one guy <laughs> had people below him uh, who were paying into his fund and then other people below yep. them paying into their funds and everything gets funneled up, but no one's actually making any real profit. So the further you get down the pyramid, uh, the heavier the losses are. I suppose with NFTs, the way you can think about it is like the people who get the original drop or the originators of the NFT who maybe get like a cut of every transaction are at like the very top of the pyramid. Um, so the like further you get down in the stack, um, the more like they're profiting and perhaps the less value there is as you get further away. Um, I suppose like yeah. uh, you get like a higher uh, implied intrinsic value based on kind of what some of the trading is as a project gets older and older. Um, granted, like I do think some of the, there is value in, in the brands. We talked about that the first time, but I also think there's an inherent conflict of interest in terms of like, if you own an NFT you have a very vested interest in promoting the brand. So is it like, of course. doesn't the ownership kind of conflate uh, like with whether <laughs> the brand actually has value or not? Uh, I, and before like you respond to that, I also love to hear your thoughts on like, how can people actually tell like who kind of the, the good artists and the good developers are in this space? Like what were some strategies someone could use there? And maybe the yeah, two yeah, answers are related, yeah. right? No, it's a great question. I, I, I listened to a great podcast the other day talking about how um, the, uh, Talk about the difference between web one, web two, and web three, and how like um, what's happening now is creators are able to monetize with with their fans as opposed to like the platform model of like um, you can only post up on YouTube and you know Facebook. You can make revenue, you can generate revenue by 
pumping an audience and there's secondary ways you can do it as well if you attract the right attention. But one of the problems with um, <clears throat> that model is, and you could just, I mean, you see it everywhere. And I think this, this is kind of one of my like main talking points for this stuff that I just don't think people realize is just how much like bland, uh, mindless, like run of the mill, uh, the way that they described it on the, it was a bankless podcast. Uh, this, this, uh, woman Lee Jin, who does a great, she's a big, like proponent of the creator economy. And she really thinks like, this is going to be, this is going to spur like another renaissance of creativity, um, is that we've been so used to like creativity online that like just kind of panders do this lowest common denominator, like will a advertiser support this so that I can monetize and make a living doing this. And the problem with that is that, um, two, two, two main problems with that. One is the, it, it makes for incredibly bland content, right? And it makes for content that like, they need to feel safe with, with advertising. It needs to be like a wide, like, let's, let's make sure this hits as many people as possible so that we can pull in a, um, a partner that's going to want to, you know, monetize off that reach. And then what it also does, it, it, it gives you like these very, just like, shallow, you know, storylines and headlines. And you see YouTube creators and influencers with like, invest in this coin now, and it's going to 10x uh, by next week and like really bright colors. And um, it's all because they need to, it's all about like, I need an audience to support myself. And if I don't say something outrageous, why would they watch my video? Or if I don't say something, um, you know, shocking or, uh, or just like just something out there, like I, I need the, the the audience and the um, the reach becomes the priority more than the content itself, and I think um, this ties back and this kind of dovetails back into your question about like how do you support the right artists and creators in this space. Um, I think you want to be a fan of them, like like so many. Uh, I think this first wave of NFTs and like the it's a pretty pretty crazy man. It's really only been really only been popular for like you know, two quarters now, um, feels like two years, but <clears throat> it's been these, uh, uh, let's, let's call them like blockchain native content creators, like super Gremplin, um, or Danny Cole who did creatures. Like these are names, like your listeners might not know, but like, I know, because these guys are like, these guys are like rock stars, uh, in the blockchain world of art. And like, they have, um, and by the way, I think one of the reasons there these early projects are so attractive from like a speculative point of view is because these uh, these NFT these early NFT projects. And I think we're past that wave. I think anything that comes out now is like kind of borrowing. I, if if you want like a quick side note, like a way to pick a good NFT project, look for something that's doing. Look for a project that's doing something entirely different than anything else that's the best chance to, uh, you know, see value returned on your investment. If you, if you, if you're only in it for speculative reasons. Um, but these early NFT artists, one of the, one of the things that's so cool about like their art is you're like, these are like the first iterations of like, um, you know, creativity on these new platforms. Like this is like a new art form and these are kind of these first like new forms of it. So, wow, I want to own one of those because, um, that you know, hundreds of hundred years from now, it'd be like, wow, grandpa had a cryptoed on the blockchain uh, when it first came out in 2021. I mean, people are thinking about this. Um, so I think the first phase of this was like blockchain native content creators. And then this year and the following years, um, the years to come, I think what you're going to see is like a bunch of other creators get involved and like mainstream creators. So like, you know, if you're a fan, uh, Joe Rogan's a bad example to use here because he probably would never do this. Um, but like, if you're a fan of like a comedian um, or like an indie band, uh, if they release an NFT, if they're like, we're gonna release a thousand NFTs, um, do, you know, our diehard fans, you might be like, wow, I want that because that NFT gives me like premium access to their their content. Maybe it's like a Patreon type mechanism. Um, and I wanna support them because I think they will continue to get bigger. And then this 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 tokenization of um, of like speculation, um, you can bet on creators who like, and I don't, I don't think that's the right word. I think like supporting them is the right word. 
you know, Blau, um, who's kind of, he's, he's trying to revolutionize. Uh, he goes by three Lau as his, uh, his stage name Blau, but he's trying to revolutionize the music industry by like making artists, um, launch their music as NFTs. And then if you buy those NFTs, like Nas just had a drop, you get share of the royalties. Um, and he talks about, he has this great anecdote that I heard where he talks about how like this uh, younger DJ named Elenium was touring with him like six years ago. And he knew this guy was going to be good. He's like, I could just tell this guy was going to be massive because he'd be opening for me and there'd be more fans for him than there were for me. And he, he says, uh, you know, if I could, if I could have in, seated this guy and invested in him, I would have because, and of course now this guy, Elenium, like he's, I think the highest build electronic artist uh, out there right now. So that's just kind of a framework for the, that what I believe is like going to be the evolution of this. Gotcha. Yeah. Let, let me kind of rephrase what you said. And, and this might lead to like further discussion here. Like it kind of sounds like everyone has people on the internet who aren't popular yet, but think like deserve more credit. Um, one example that stands out for me is like in the programming world, there's a bunch of people with open source projects where like, I have no idea how well off they are in real life, but like they have lots of libraries they use. Like there's this guy, Kenneth Reitz, who in the Python world is like done a lot of libraries that I use every day. I probably call his code like every day. And I'm sure that's the case for many other programmers who use Python for a living. Uh, but I've never like given a cent to the guy. Um, mm. same with like a lot of people I read online, like their writing's totally free. I would include you in that camp, by the way. It's like, I, I get a ton and it's, I've never had to pay you anything. Um, but if, yeah, if well, there you, were, you a, yeah, yeah. If there were a chance to like give you a couple dollars, like, would I do it? Possibly no. Cause it's just like, you know, uh, to me, that's just a donation. And I feel like donations are, are a very different way of thinking about something than like investing, which is like, oh, I can support them. And also I could possibly, uh, make out well in this situation. I mean, I think that's yeah. what venture capital is, right? It's like, right. or investing in general, it's win-win where, you know, people take the equity dollars, uh, they try to create a business, they create more wealth in the world, investors get paid, the person who started the company gets paid and, and you know, customers get paid in the form of some good or service that's better for everyone. Um, so kind of, you know, the way you're describing this to me is like, this is creating that win-win ecosystem for creators, for investors, and hopefully for everyone else too, because it's like, if people get paid, they start creating more stuff because they're like, hey, I can go full time on this deal because uh, I'm actually able to make a living off of it. Right. Yeah. Uh, you said that very well. I, you know, and <clears throat> I think the beautiful thing about that is how many people um, who are good writers or like good at podcasts or musicians, like they are photographers, like they get to their... Uh, you know, late teens are they, then they kind of realize, man, like I, I can't, I can't support myself doing this. Like I got to pack it in and maybe I'll go work at an ad agency and uh, my art will now be made to uh, make uh, banner ads for uh, Geico. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, let I mean, me, and let me stop there though. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. No, go ahead. You, you, let's, so let's, I was going to say like, what. yeah, that characterization totally makes sense to me, but I think what's odd and what throws a lot of people for a loop is a lot of the NFT discussion, and you know, we can get into Coinbase kind of spinning off their own platform. Crypto.com has their own platform, I think, now for NFTs. Like, they're mainly allowing you to buy and sell the most popular assets, which probably need the least support from the creator perspective. Um, and I feel like when a lot of people go on like um, OpenSea, you know, they're immediately going to like where like the top fifteen projects. I think we both follow like Jonathan Bales and and uh, Lucky Trader. Mm -hmm. He just had an article kind of on like NBA top shots, which I would classify as like one of the most popular projects yeah. of all time. They just dropped a uh, uh, 16, 30 second ad with Kevin Durant today. I'm not sure if you saw that. I have not. I'll got you. I yeah, got to check, check that it out. out. I think uh, uh, yeah. side note uh, before we, before you continue this point, I think this Super Bowl this year is going to be a huge moment for crypto and NFTs. Oh, for sure. Uh, and I want to get all into kind of yeah. the national TV ads because Matt Damon yeah. is my favorite actor, but when <laughs> he's in the crypto.com commercials, he's I have some questions. <laughs> but, but anyways, what I mean to say here is like the, the discussion in the national conversation around NFTs is being driven by the most popular projects where like the most people are getting rich. It's not, I doesn't feel like there's a focus on creators just getting started. Um, I mean, is that like a disconnect? Am I, am I wrong here? Like, I guess I'm wondering, like, should I care about the popular projects? Because based on what you're, what you're saying, it's like there's no gains to be had in some of the popular projects. But maybe that's a mischaracterization. 
Um, what do you mean no gains to be had? Like, you don't, do you think that? So, okay. So two, uh, two things I mean by that, no gains yeah. to be had in terms of like, from an investor perspective, the assets have been like completely bid up and they've been around a while. It's like, it, it goes back to the old saying, right? When you read about a company in the wall street journal, mm-hmm. you probably don't want to invest in them. Cause like, right, right, right. At that it's point, like, it's too uh, popular. What was but his, it, uh, what was it? Rockefeller. He said, once the shoe shine boy exactly. starts telling you to I, invest, uh, <laughs> I love that Rockefeller. Uh, quote, yeah. That. yeah. But like, um, so that's the first thing I mean. And then the second thing is like, at that point, you know, I don't know if it's like Nike getting paid or like some celebrity getting paid, but at that point, it's like, I don't really know that there's that much value being created for the creator who, who likely doesn't need the money and already has become uber rich. And then for the investor, it's the first point I brought up of like, are they actually buying the asset at the right time? Yeah, yeah. Um, everyone, I think, wants to. It's so funny, too. I think people are uh, like, there's a lot of people out there that are like, just buy the art you like, and then you'll never feel bad about like, and it's kind of like, well, okay, that's a nice, uh, you know, isn't it pretty to think so? Uh, the quote uh, Hemingway, that people would just be buying digital art for the art. Like I, I think the, I, I, and don't get me wrong. Like I'm an art guy. And like, I love, I think some of the creativity is like unbelievable that's happening right now. Um, but as far as like mainstream adoption goes, like people, people want to, um, part of what makes this fun and you're, you know, you get your dopamine spiking and uh, is when the price, the price you can, you can make a pretty good bag off this stuff. Like, um, and people are, but there's so many projects launching every day. There's, there's so many um, markets launching every day. So like OpenSea now has competitors. Um, And what's so cool about crypto, like, here's another thing is like these competitors, like, like for looks, there's this new, um, OpenSea competitor called uh, Looks Rare, and they staked me with tokens. Like I got like 150 tokens just because I had activity on OpenSea this year. So like they were like, "Wow, you've been." In, they were like, um, "We want to seed all the people that have been involved in Web three systems early." Um, you know, that's worth right now. Like I think I think it's at like four dollars. That's like you know, it's like it's like. Yeah. Or the the cynical view is they're just stealing all of OpenSea's customers using OpenSea's data. I mean, yeah, it's it's like a new form of like um, how to like win back market share. And it's like, how does OpenSea answer? I mean, they just got like, I think OpenSea just got some insane uh, Series C maybe. I'm not sure if I, I got I to gotta look at that, but uh, you know, billions of dollars here. So it's this new, what's so cool to me is like, it's this new form of like branding and brand building. Um, and go back, going like going back a little bit to the earlier part of your question. Um, there's NFTs aren't just like art derivative profile picks. Like I, uh, I just bought, a uh, my dad, I wanted, my dad wanted to get involved. So I, um, we got it on the Lynx DAO, which is like a golf disruptor. Um, and it's, it's, it's this cool model where they want to buy a uh, golf, like kind of the ethos behind it is like nice. Um, like the, the golf chorus model, the golf club model is kind of like, gate kept and frankly outdated and ripe for disruption. So they're thinking we can form a DAO and not only buy a course, but form partnerships with um, players in this space and sort of democratize the membership uh, golfer um, dynamic. And I saw that and some cool people are behind it. I think for the first step, you know, if anyone, um, listening wants to like, how do you size up a project? You just like, you want, you want to look at the founding team, make sure there's people that have like track records who are putting their reputation on the line um, and who aren't really screwing around with this. Like, this is like, they're, they're doing this. I think you can get, you can learn a lot by just like checking that out where it's not like, Oh, we borrowed an animator who's worked yeah, yeah. on like Spider-Man two. And uh, now these NFTs are, are going to have a chance of being worth 20 times what you meant them for. Like, um, Look for the projects that are doing things differently because I think what's I think the way people need to start thinking about this and where I think it's going to head is these are essentially startups uh, in a lot of ways and they're giving um, they're leading with the brand they're being like this is what we're going to brand ourselves as this is our ethos this is our idea this is probably would make someone like you who's so like meticulous about like looking at reading like uh, annual reports and looking at the um, you know, the brass tacks of like what the revenue numbers are versus like the margins and and so on and so forth. But 
um, that to me is like really interesting because I think a lot of them, <clears throat> a lot of these projects will, will fail. Um, but if you look at what's happening right now, it's like hundred, like just thousands of like little Petri dishes. And it's like, Whoa, that's kind of interesting. That's kind of working. They just formed a partnership with X, Y, and Z. And I, I, I will guarantee you, I can guarantee you, um, just from working in ad agencies for, for eight years that like every CMO at a fortune 500 company right now has a, um, checkbox on their to-do list that says metaverse activation oh for in sure some, in some way yeah. right so so how do you do that as an ad agency you get a brief and what the creative team at the agency is going to say is hey like your values as a corporation are aligned with uh the humanoids, which is an NFT project started last year and they support this cause. And what if we co-branded and that's, what's happening. Like Gucci, I think just, um, Gucci just branded with some, like, God, what's it, what's it called? I'm forgetting the name right now. Uh, I'll have to look it up. And like the second Gucci announced the partnership, the price like shot up 12, like 12 X, um, because they're like, okay, well now there's a more serious player at play right. here. So like, and I mean, Bud, Bud Light, two hours before this call, like they just bought a noun, which is like a huge deal because uh, nouns, nouns DAO is like this fascinating, like decentralized treasury governance system that like they mint one a day. So like it's, it's kind of has this compounding effect. Like right now there's only, I think like 106 of them or something. Um, and each one's worth like 70 Ethereum. So Bud Light bought one and made it their profile picture. And, you know, that's kind of a, they're really kind of flexing to their competitors. Like, yeah, we know what's like actually cool in this space. Not just like, not just like saying like, good morning, like GM on Twitter, because that's <laughs> right. what, that's what, that's what the crypto community says. So like, that's really interesting. And I think, I think this year you're going to see a lot of that. You're going to see a lot of like brands get involved because this is yeah, what we talked let's... about back in September, like brands want to be current Cool. Let's kind of dig into that because I, I when I hear brands like I kind of hear more than that. I also hear value to the consumer because like I think the reason brands get popular is they prove themselves with the consumer and the consumer goes like Nike. Literally, like if you're getting basketball shoes, you know I, I think part of it's brand, but part of it also is like when you wear them, you know if it's a, it's a good pair of shoes, like you know you, you trust the brand. On the link style, like it's kind of thinking you know on my end, like I probably spent a, some summers five hundred bucks, like a thousand bucks on golf, just going to public courses. I'm always like, I wish I had a membership somewhere, but if there's, you know, some sort of token that provides me the ability to play on different courses, like that's real value. There's also, as you were saying, I was just thinking of like, there's kind of that uh, crazy story. I think a lot of people know it. This guy basically like American airlines, I think this was back in like the seventies or eighties was allowing people to like buy flights for life or something. And like, but the price was absurdly high and like only one guy bought it, but it actually turned out to be an amazing investment. And like, yeah, it was totally worth it. They eventually took it away from him. But you can imagine like, had that <laughs> thing been like an NFT and yeah, like American got some cut of every transaction, like presumably right. it would have went to its actual value and he could have, it could have transacted. He could have made out well, sure. like American could have made out well. So as a, like a financial instrument, I definitely see the potential here. I, I just feel like uh, you probably have tons of examples of why I'm wrong here. Like, I don't really see that many opportunities in my you know limited area of the world to buy NFTs where I get some benefit in the physical world. And if I did, I, I 100% would. Like, you know, if, I, if I'm buying, paying 10 physical dollars to do something, I'd much rather have $10 that's an NFT that's tradable and also gives me like coupons, rewards, uh, you know, free free concert tickets, whatever. Um, like, how, I guess, how close do you think are we to that? And is this already happening a lot more than I, I currently know about? So, yeah, I, I think this is going to be a big year for that. And I, I think what's going to happen is what it's going to reverse kind of the model that you just said, where like, okay, for instance, like my twin brother, Max, you know, gifted me a, uh, a very special watch for his wedding for being his best man, right? Like, um, and it's an Omega watch. Our, our grandfather had one. And when I got it, it came uh, and funny enough, I bought him one the same day, which is like this weird twin thing. My, um, my brother better do that for me, by the way. I'm yeah. 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 Man. Yeah. He'd be better. <laughs> I hope you're um, listening, Josh. Yeah. But uh, this watch came with like, it came with like three, like uh, credit card authenticator. Like this is the ID for your watch and you have three of them and don't lose them. And uh you know, I put them in my safe and I was like, I, <laughs> I guess I, I can't lose these. Um, and I think what's going to happen is like, 
and Nike, we talked about this uh, and sure enough, Nike's now entering the metaverse, but like a company like Omega, like why wouldn't they give you like your authentication, authentication and your receipt and your warranty coverage is all preserved as an NFT. So it's, it's not even about like flexing, like making it your profile picture. Like, Oh, I have some cool, like digital artwork that uh, I want to like dunk on my friends and, and Shaq owns one and the price like that, that, that I think, I think we're going to get past that phase really quickly. And it's just going to be a digital twin of the real life product you have. That's going to contain a lot of um, like fine print information. And uh maybe that like NFT, like will be a way for like brands, like, um, you know, CRM, like CRM branding, like um, I think is going to be really interesting for this because it could be like, Hey, like every, you, you, with your NFT, you can, um, you know, get your tickets for this conference. We're going to have biannually and that's all you need to get in. And that lets us know that you're um, verified and you have it. So I think, I think the way that businesses are going to start thinking about this, um, is, is going to kind of skew toward, toward that, that model. hundred percent. I think that adds like a lot of valuation support to some of the stuff as sure. opposed to just being like purely brands. Like, again, I just keep thinking of examples because you're providing so many good ones yourself. Like the Starbucks, you know, pre Starbucks being mobile, the gold card was such a flex and like I had <laughs> yeah. it. And if someone was Did like, I'll have- pay you 200 bucks for your gold card, I would have been like, hell no. Cause it took right. me, it took me months to get it. And like, once you had it, first of all, it looks super cool. Second of all, you got really good rewards as a Starbucks mm-hmm. member. Um, so I, I think some of that stuff, like, and just you can, and Ben, what you, what you can do with this stuff, like, um, is the airdrop thing is like really interesting. Um, so these companies like Starbucks, if you have a Starbucks NFT, like on your birthday, they could like airdrop you a free coffee, um, rather than, and I know that that doesn't sound like a big difference between, um, like, okay, well, right now you already have an app uh, that you get that in. But I think, I think what people don't realize is um, how many like times you forget your password or you don't want to use the suggested password because that thing's like a string of numbers. You're like, well, I'm never going to remember this. And if I, if I don't use Safari anymore, then like, I'm gonna have to write this down and you forget your password. You have to log out. You have to make it again. Like, I mean, that is like the friction there between like the metal logins and passwords everyone has is like mind numbing. And it's like, once you start experiencing, like I, I, I would, I just, I guess I would add to your listeners, like anyone who hasn't experienced this, like being able to log in with your wallet um, and like instantaneously your information's pulled and your profile is like locked into the website. Um, it's like, it's like going from like a, uh, you know, a bike to a motorcycle, like you're like, this is, this is the future. I mean, this is like going back to this idea of, and, and, you know, Facebook and Google, like logging with Facebook, logging with Google. Like the reason that's happened is because they just are slowly getting their claws deeper and deeper, deeper into your like data usage and online behavior. And yeah, it's convenient. Um, but it's, it's not like, it's ultimately like continuing to like boost our data data as a product for their advertisers um, at this for the sake of convenience. So right now, like crypto is not convenient and it's uh, there's a lot of friction and the UX is clunky, um, but there's a lot of money pouring in right now to like solve these problems. <clears throat> I think that's going to be a big uh, thing you're going to start seeing this year and next year is like, there's going to be solutions. Like even, even Coinbase coming out, I think yesterday and saying like, yeah, people are going to be able to pay with credit cards for NFTs. Like that was bound to happen. And right there, that removes a, a, a ton of friction from the experience. So I think you're going to see more and more of that. I think everyone's just used to these products that have uh, these services online, at least that um, have really like smoothed out um, through A-B testing and years and years and years of use have like really got it down and, and have these incredibly smooth um, user experiences that we're all used to. And I think crypto just is catching up to that in a, uh, in real time and we'll need, we'll need more time to do so. Yep. Yeah. It's funny. You mentioned kind of like the login password thing is I think in the news today, it was one password, which I use for all my password storage and, and logins just got a $7 billion valuation. on like 150 million in uh, 2021 revenues, so like huge multiple to sales, but also like they could charge me any amount 
I mean, right. I probably pay them four bucks a month and like, I would do a lot more to, to just have that convenience. Um, on like the crypto side, it's interesting. You mentioned the Coinbase and you know, being able to pay NFTs with four NFTs with credit cards. Um, I want to get kind of, kind of, I know we got limited time here. I want to get into yeah, sure. kind of what crypto.com and, and OpenSea and Coinbase are kind of, all, where are they all going with their respective NFT platforms? And I guess I start the conversation by saying like, I'm, as you know, I'm pretty involved in the e-commerce space. Um, I've worked in there, there for a couple yep. of years. Um, like on the Shopify side, you know, they have a beta right now where you can, uh, you can basically create your own NFT as a small business. And that's like a monetization mechanism they offer. Mm-hmm. Um, but like thinking about that, you know, it's like small businesses I support, I'm, I'm fine with buying their NFT, but like, am I going to have to do that with MetaMask? Like is Coinbase going to allow me to do it? Which I guess I, they kind of already do because they do provide the wallet. But I'm kind of wondering like, what's the role of the like, uh, you know, large crypto companies and like then a company like Shopify that allows you to originate and like sell NFTs um, is like kind of, you know, there's. The, the normal internet, you know, like using a, a Chrome browser or whatever browser you use. And, but then you're also doing these transactions that go over this, you know, I'll call it a separate internet. Um, but I guess like, where do you, how do you see all the players kind of playing out here? Yeah, it's funny because it's like all the centralized platforms. Right, right. Which is, <laughs> like, which shows kind of how primitive it is right now. Cause it's kind yeah, of like web yeah. three, but web two has like a big layer over it. Totally. Yeah. And it's like, there's, there's a lot of like decentralization, like maxis who are like, if it's not decentralized, like it's not really like in this, it's like, well, guys, like we have, like, <laughs> this is incremental steps. Like it's not gonna just like, you want community and users. Um, like uh, I-, I was thinking about the other day, I, w- I was going back and forth with someone who commented on one of my LinkedIn posts about like this, uh, I think Vitalik coined it like the scalability trilemma. So it's, you either have decentralization, security or scalability. Okay. And you could only pick two right now. So like choose wisely because, uh, and, and security can't be sacrificed for anything to like really catch on. So what you're deciding between is decentralization or scalability. And it's like a chicken or an egg thing where it's like, you, do you want a community? You want a community and you want users. Um, but you also want decentralization, but you, what's a decentralized community if it doesn't have users or a community, right? Like right. it's like this, this interesting conundrum. <clears throat> Can I coin I, web 23? Has anyone done that yet? Yeah. <laughs> well, two point, it's like yeah. two point, it's like 2.5, man. Like, and uh, I don't think it's not, it, we don't need like the internet doesn't need like entire like web three uh, protocols and, and interfaces, like just like people still use desktop computers for a lot of uh, good reason. Um, I think it's going to be a slow march and, and incremental progress. Uh, these, what we are talking about, um, like Coinbase and OpenSea, I think there's some like, like Lindy effect there maybe with those where like they just kind of have uh they've kind of like planted their flag as like these services. Um, and they'll, I don't, I don't see their brands uh, diminishing anytime soon, but I think like, I think like, you know, like the, the free market is a good thing. Like it'll, it'll drive down like open seas fees are pretty high, which is kind of funny because everyone preaches like creator rights. Uh, but on top of gas fees and open seas fees, you're like, well, what, what, what the hell? Like, is this, uh, is this really better? So I think that's why it's like healthy, like looks rare, which is like the new NFT platform. Um, they're saying like any royalty fees or, or sorry, any platform fees are going right back into like our holders or our holders of our token. So like, that's where you get those crazy, like 8,000, uh, <laughs> APY uh, returns on your stakes. Right. Um, and who knows how, you know, who knows how sustainable that is, but all these, th- all these things we're talking about, I think is what just makes it like, so like fun and interesting to be involved in because like one way you could look at it is like um, it's all BS and it's all a, it's all a Ponzi. But the other way you could look at it is like, well, not, not really. Like there's uh, a lot of really cool, innovative things happening here around community branding art and like investing and business um like even the link style like that's one of the reasons i uh i want to do um get on board with that is because i'm like they're the only one doing this right now so like you think about like um and maybe this is where my branding mind clicks on like 
once this stuff starts getting cool, like, oh, Budweiser just bought it now and, and uh, they just changed their Twitter handle to bud.eth or something. Um, well, now, like, the CMO of Callaway is probably like, what's going on with that? Like, how can we get involved? And how can how can they get how they can get involved is they can partner with LinksDAO at the Masters and have a tent. And now all of a sudden, people though, that gives them more exposure. So I think this this like decentralized way that brands are being built um, is super interesting. And that's not to say they're all going to su- succeed. Like most probably won't succeed, but like there's it's not. I don't think like one day it's going to be like, man, this whole crypto thing. Um, and I've skin in the game, obviously. And this is like what I've, where I've chosen to direct my career and write about. So obviously I'm biased. Um, I admit that, but I don't really see a world where it's like, Hey, that whole crypto experiment was fun. Like, let's go back to where we were. Like, yeah. I think people are finding a lot of meaning and value and creativity um, in this space that uh, there's just a lot of momentum. And, you know, I guess like, like I said, like, just like experiencing it is different than um, reading about it. For sure. Yeah, at the very least, we know it will be on the, every time the Lakers play, you'll see the crypto.com <laughs> yeah. arena for the next 20 years. I mean, maybe we can close with this because I think yeah. the popularization trend of crypto, I, I think is extremely interesting. Like we kind of talked about yeah. that um, Matt Damon commercial, but it's like, you know, we're, people are now, I think a lot of these companies are trying to entice people into crypto either through ads that feature celebrities or kind of through nice rewards programs like crypto.com. I think to get their visa card, um, you have to hold their currency or stake it for like four months. And then you get these crazy like cash back and other rewards. Um, so kind of going back to like some of the, some of what's happening here is like, we're starting to tie the crypto ecosystems like rewards in the physical world. And that's one way to value it, which is super interesting. Um, but I'm interested. Like I'm interested to hear your thoughts on you. Know, obviously, a ton of capital is pouring into this space, and we talked a bit offline about how you know Andreessen Horowitz and Jack Dorsey are kind of going uh, going yeah. at each other because clearly, like Jack Dorsey yeah. wasn't supportive of this trend, um, all while ignoring the fact that like he owns a company that's like directly profiting off like crypto transactions. But we'll we'll put that aside for the time well, being. I, yeah, I mean he's a he's long on Bitcoin too, right? Right. So. <laughs> but like, I, I guess we're, how does this all? lay out like do you see a, a ton of money entering uh crypto is like positive or negative for what happens is it i mean i guess i could start off by saying my opinion here is like the the fact that like so much money involved is involved to me basically guarantees that like web 2 will be part of web 3 because the mm-hmm. only way to really monetize as we know it now is web 2 yeah um so maybe like where what where we get is somewhere that's more web 2 oriented than people than kind of the utopians originally thought yeah yeah, there. I actually just read this essay today. I'll, I'll, I should send it to you. Um, it was called, hold on, I want to pull it up. It was called The 3% Difference. And it was just about how like progress uh, across like over time um, happens in just like really small increments. Like, and I think this is going to be one of those things where we like look back on, um, <clears throat> like we're not going to, I don't think we're going to recognize the change. The changes aren't going to appear drastic until, um, <clears throat> until we like, you know, 10 years from now, look back on this and be like, man, like, do you remember when like we had to log in with like Facebook logins and Spotify logins or, or sorry, Google logins. Um, so I think slowly, but surely more brands and more uh, web two kind of like, legacy players are going to start like experimenting with this stuff and these tools and like playing around with it because there's certainly a market for it. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I think a lot of NFT projects are like fluff and like, I wouldn't invest in them, but there's a market for them. Like whether you want to like, you know, admit it or not, or, or believe it in or not, like people are finding meaning and joy and, and experiential value in being a part of these communities. I mean, one thing we didn't get into today, um, that I think is really interesting. And like, I, I like uh, talking about this is like, I think a lot of this, um, you know, what you're seeing with discord and just like NFT communities and the camaraderie you're getting with people online who aren't like your coworkers uh, is absolutely a result of working from home for two years and not being able to socialize because of COVID. And I think people are just like, I mean, myself included, um, I've talked about this in other podcasts I've been on, weren't really willing to accept like 
hey, this is it, uh, Slack and Zoom. And, um, you know, we don't know when we're going back to the office, but like business as usual. And for me personally, like I got six months into that and I was like, I can't do this um, <laughs> anymore. Like I would, you know, and my, my circumstance is my circumstance and my, my um, you know, everyone's different and everyone has um, their own things they're dealing with and, and uh, variables at play. But I, I think a lot of people just were like, no, no, I want to be creative and I want to socialize. And like, I'll tell you what, man, like, just being involved in discord communities around different initiatives and like meeting people all over the world who have shared values. Like you really start to see like the potential of the internet. Um, and that is like one of the reasons I'm uh, long on this stuff. And I, I believe in it because I think um, you know who knows where that leads in terms of like global collectivism and re-incentivized models of like working together Um I think it's just really cool. And it's going to be, it's going to be cool to watch. I, th I think this year will be people will, I, my prediction is that like, there'll be a ton of crypto NFT ads at the Super Bowl. You might even get like a bored ape ad. I think I might predict that uh, in some capacity, the internet's going to freak out about that. You're going to get, you know, thousands of responses saying like our planet's going to burn because people are minting NFTs, which is like, you know, that's a conversation for another day that we don't have to get into now. But uh, I think that's all part of like this new technology being pushed into the limelight and um, it's not going away. So it's like, I, I had this uh, tweet that I posted on LinkedIn the other day where I, I just think so many people like dunking on new technology uh, is easy, but like the harder path is you like understand, like try to understand like why it has arrived and why it's now having this moment. Um, because there's a reason like it's it's there's like anthropological reasons uh, also that had to do with covid and where we and how we've developed as like a species um that are totally at play here and i think that's when you start thinking about it that way that's where it gets really interesting um so yeah i know that was a little bit of a ramble no, but uh, well said man i mean i would i would definitely gonna do a part three i feel like there's a ton of topics <laughs> we didn't even touch uh, but yeah, before yeah. we part ways, like where can people find you? Like any good resources people should check out? If they want to know more about this stuff. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, my you can find me on LinkedIn, just Nick uh, Nick Widmer, and then on Twitter, um, my handle is NF Widmer, and then my uh, my writing you can find it on my Substack, um, Firstborn, which you can find at nickwidmer.substack.com. Um, awesome, as always, man. Such a pleasure, and like I always learn so much every time we talk. So. Let's see what yeah, we'll have to uh, we'll have to get you your first uh, NFT. What's funny, Ben, is you were the first uh, first one of my friends who ever buy cryptocurrency. So you know, you talk about incremental progress over years. It's so funny because I was in I was in the 2018 <laughs> bubble. I remember you were, like, right? texting you and your brother about that, and it's like, yeah. Do you I, remember I, what you, so you, you 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 buy Bitcoin or Ethereum? I bought Ethereum under the impression that like developers liked it more and thought they could do yeah. more stuff with it. Um, like a dummy, <laughs> you have sold in early 2019. <laughs> So uh, jokes well, on me on that. Yeah. You were just, uh, you were just a little early. Yeah. Um, dude, uh, you know, and the last thing I'll say is, you know, you go back to like the teal philosophy of like zero to one. Uh, I think there's a lot of zero to ones happening right now more than like any other uh, sector, which is why, um, why it's so cool to see like, you know, again, you know, uh, Pareto principle, like most won't make it, but like some will. So it's, uh, it's worth keeping eye on, on, uh, on the space for, for that reason alone. For sure. I mean, I can hundred percent agree. It's not going away. We're going to have you on the pod a ton of times. It's going to be a amazing next this year. And, you know, I think the next couple of years, is yeah, we'll awesome. see. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's, you know, it'll continue to be a roller coaster. I have no doubt, but I think that's what's, um, that's what makes it hard to look away from. All right, man. Thanks for coming on. All right, Ben. See you, man.